I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. The next time we return to Philippians, we'll speak about their desire to have Paul return and teach them and how if they can't have Paul, they would like to have Timothy come. (laughs) But that's next time. For today, I'd like us to examine what it was in Timothy that made him such a desirable young man. Not necessarily what they thought made him so, but what Paul knew proved him worthy. Now first, don't forget where we've just been in Paul's instruction to the believers in Philippi. Be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish. And how do they, and we, do this? By not grumbling or questioning, by obeying. Which we do, he said, as we work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We must do nothing from rivalry or conceit, counting others more significant than yourselves. Each must look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We would then shine as lights in the world as we hold fast to the word of life. All of this he said, is a demonstration of the mind of Christ in them, the mind of Christ in us. Paul briefly referenced himself as one of those who did, in fact, demonstrate such a form of living. We'll discuss that later. But here he said he was even ready to be poured out as a drink offering for their sake. And for those who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ where he was held under arrest, this was also something worth celebrating. You also should be glad and rejoice with me, he said. Now finally, we come to Timothy. Paul says he has no one quite like Timothy. Timothy is genuinely concerned for their welfare over his own, not seeking his own interest, but rather that of Jesus. He served Paul with all the affection of a son to a father as they advanced the good news. Timothy is then also an example of what Paul just talked about. Timothy having no one like him, it translates a Greek expression, no one of like spirit. Uh, You could also say no one of like soul or mind. Timothy is a man of proven worth, he has the mind of Christ. What is proven worth? <laughs> now, I know we concluded it was to give yourself away for the sake of Christ. But what is worth at all? And how is it that we have value? How should our value be determined? How can we know we are worthy? That we are living worthy? Living worthy of what? <laughs> well, to gain eternal life. That's ultimately it, right? That's, isn't that the goal? To be deserving of the gift of eternal life. 
Well, let's see. Our choice is eternal life with God or <clears throat> eternal death in the lake of fire. Yeah, you know, sign me up. How hard is this? <laughs> Both Timothy and Paul would sacrifice their lives for the Philippian believers. And Paul, as a matter of fact, would give up Timothy for them, should Jesus require it. And this is to be expected, though. They're church leaders, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Leaders are expected to do this and need to prove their worth. Paul said in a later letter to this same Timothy that if a man seeks to be a pastor, he must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. It's not then just because it isn't good for the people that this man might actually lead. But actually bad for him if he is given this position too early. It's not just pastors who are restricted in this way. Even their helpers need to have proven worth. Deacons is the Greek word. It became a title and a position in the church and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So this proven worth is important in the function, the operation of the church. We should be careful to wait and watch and see that people are worthy to be leaders in the church. It's because somebody says they're a leader in the church. Even if they gather a bunch of people around them who say they are, it doesn't mean that they should be. But as important as that is, it's not really the ultimate issue here. <laughs> Timothy is not the first one in this letter Paul has spoken of as regards being worthy. It's them, the people of the church in Philippi. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. They are to be worthy. We are to live lives worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's important. We, we don't want to get this wrong. Listen to this. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Handed over to Satan? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm not sure what being handed over to Satan is, but I know I don't want to find out. Living our faith right, being worthy, is very important. So how do we do it? And how do you measure such a thing? What is worthy? Well, maybe we should start with what it's not. Our worth is certainly not determined by what we do. James, the brother of Jesus, who was very concerned with working out our faith, nevertheless wrote, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 
So it's not about what we do per se, but our focus when we do whatever we do. Do we do what we do because we desire to do God's will? If we do, that's a sign that we are worthy. And we need to do more than just the minimum. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Listen to Jesus. It sounds like this being worthy turns out to be a lot more than we might have thought. In specific, we are not worthy if we are not willing to give our lives completely. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lose your life to gain it. To gain true worth. Also, it turns out we don't find our value or show our worth even in our family. Using some strong hyperbole, ancient Jews loved that, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Obviously, the Jesus who told us to love even our enemies is not saying don't love your family. He's talking about commitment. If our commitment to him is not greater even than our love for our family, then it's not enough. Greater to the degree that love is greater than hate. That's the level of love and commitment we must have for Jesus. And by the way, you don't really love your family if you don't love Christ ahead of them. So, All right. We're willing to give everything to gain this worth. How do we start? Amazingly, by recognizing and acknowledging we are not worthy. (laughs) You may have heard the story of the prodigal son took all of his dad's money, wasted it, realized how stupid he was, and decided to go home. His dad sees him and cries out, Son, son, you're home. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. There was a Roman soldier, a centurion, who sent people to ask Jesus to heal his sick servant. The Jews said, he is worthy to have you do this for him. Jesus does heal this man's servant. And in doing so, he marvels at the centurion's faith, commenting that it is greater than anyone's faith, even in all Israel. So how did this man demonstrate his faith, his worthiness, in such a way that even Jesus marveled? The Jews asked Jesus to grant his request, and Jesus went with them, When he was not far from the house, a centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Like the prodigal son, this man knew how his worth measured up with that of Jesus. Even the great prophet, John the Baptist, got this. So fantastic was John that people actually thought he might be the Messiah. 
John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John, the last great prophet of Israel, Jesus said of him, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And yet John says, I don't have enough value to be the one who unties Jesus' shoes for him. If the greatness of John was not enough to prove his worth, how could lowly people like us ever measure up? The Apostle Paul himself, who wrote a third of the New Testament, said he was unworthy. The least of the saints, he said. What are we to think? Clearly, our value, our proven worth, will never come from what we do. Uh, It will not arise from our family or our heritage or from anywhere within us. We can learn more about this from a letter that Paul wrote to another church. He got a good report about the way they were living out their faith. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord will be fully pleasing to him. It will be demonstrated by bearing fruit as we do good works and increasing our knowledge of God. So far, so good. Paul continues, May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Our worthiness, then, is shown in endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks. But wait, endurance? Obviously, Paul is talking about going through tough times with patience and joy, giving thanks. Is anyone fool enough to think they are able, worthy to do this on their own? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Father has pulled us out of the dark domain and into Jesus' kingdom of light. He has qualified us, made us worthy. The Son is the one who made possible this redemption. He paid the price for our sins and made us worthy. (laughs) I mean, what a glorious truth. We are worth, well, nothing. (laughs) And yet the Father gives us the quality of worthiness through the Son who died in our place. About the same time Paul wrote the letters to the Colossian and the Philippian churches, he wrote another to the believers in Ephesus. From it, we can get some traction for our faith, a way to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Have you noticed certain themes that just come up again and again in Paul's inspired letters and in all the scriptures? Humility and gentleness. (laughs) 
These aren't just what we need if we believe. The existence of these traits in our lives is what proves our worth. Do we exhibit patience with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, think. Why would you have to bear with someone in love if they were loving us perfectly? What would there be to bear? You know, wait a minute. We don't always live or love perfectly, do we? But if we are walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, we will be patient with our sisters and brothers who are the ones not getting it quite right at the moment. (laughs) Who are walking in a manner less than worthy of their calling. If we do manage this active love, we will show that we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That we are willing to bind ourselves together in peace. To be eager to live peacefully together. Even when our sisters and brothers may be less than eager for the same. (laughs) In humility and gentleness. Remember, we aren't worthy because of something intrinsic to us. It is the Father who qualifies us through the gift of the Son. We ought to be humble. We should be gentle with others who are also not worthy because of something in them, but rather because, just like us, the Father qualified them. Maybe we can even live worthy of the Gospel as the Apostles did. Wouldn't you like to be like an Apostle? They told the Jewish rulers, who had called them to task for preaching about Jesus, that they must obey God rather than men, for which they were beaten and thrown out. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. What a privilege. (laughs) Maybe we can even be like some of those ancient saints, some of whom suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Even if we end up societal rejects for Christ, which may be happening here in the U.S., we know an amazing truth. The Father has made us worthy. And all the world has no value like ours. Our worth comes from where? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. A little later, John said, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. And what will all those in heaven, which will include all of us who believe, do? And they sang a new song. 
saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. I think they were excited. (laughs) Our value, our proven worth, comes from Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Are we excited? It is he who ransomed us out of this dark domain into his kingdom of light. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. One day we will sing the praises of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God, with millions of angels. We will be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. But now, now, how do we do this now? By not grumbling or questioning. By obeying. Which we do as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We do nothing from rivalry or conceit counting others more significant than ourselves, we each look not to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We will then shine as lights in the world as we hold fast the word of life. And this we do because we are a people made worthy. Because our God and Father has given us the mind of Christ. He has qualified us. We are worthy. Thank you, Father, that you have made us worthy. We know who we are. And we know that there's no value inside of us except that you put a value in us. You made us worthy. And you are growing us each day through all the troubles that come. All those times we get a chance to show our patience and our love when it's not necessarily so very easy. We ask that you help us to do that, to make peace, that unity of the Spirit that brings peace. Help us to be the ones to make peace when somebody else isn't. Somebody who's our brother or our sister and who may be the one to get it right the next time we miss. So I thank you, Lord, that this little group you've brought together can care for each other. Thank you that we have a deep concern for each other, for our community, and even our whole world. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to care for each other. Thank you for making that a possibility in us and for making us your children that are worth being your children. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to visit us online at southbeachhope.org. We are so pleased that we can worship with you via sermon.net, but hopefully we will someday be able to praise God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture. <laughs>